Well, I am excited about the message that God put on my heart today. Um, we are going to spend a lot of time in the book of John, so if you have your Bibles or a digital Bible, you can turn there and you can pretty well hang out there um, today. And I want to begin before I even open this up with this scripture. It is in John 1, and we're going to begin in verse 1. And, it, and this is Jesus, or this is um, the epistle of John. He said, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. We can see in the beginning of this that, that Jesus is called the Word. It's one of his names, one of his titles. And so today I want to talk with you about hearing the voice of God. And if Jesus is titled the Word, would you think that God still speaks today? Yes. The Bible also says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And we can see throughout the Bible, Old and New Testament, that God was speaking throughout the entire Bible to the people that wrote the Bible, but also to other people along the way. And so is God a speaking God? Would you agree? Yes. That is one of the most common questions that I get is how do you hear God's voice? And it's a great question, right? We need to hear God's voice for direction. We need to hear God's voice for wisdom, for comfort. But since we were created to be in relationship with God, we need to hear his voice to be in relationship. Can you be in relationship with someone that you never talk to and you never hear speak to you? No, so if God created us for relationship, then he wants to talk to us. He wants to have conversations with us. Revelations 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Have you ever had someone over for dinner and then you didn't say anything to them? That would be kind of an awkward dinner and I'm pretty sure they wouldn't come back. I know if you invite me over to dinner and you don't even talk to me, I'm not coming back because I would be so uncomfortable. So when God says that, he's giving us a picture that I want to have a conversation with you. And so if you get a picture in your head, if you just invited a friend over for dinner, what would you do? You'd talk, you'd laugh, you'd cut up, you'd maybe share what you see for the future or things that happened in the past. And this is the kinds of conversations that God wants to have with us. The Bible tells us that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So not only does God want to converse with us and have a relationship with us, he's letting us know that his words are life. They're our substance. We need them to be spiritually healthy. Without the word of God, we are going to be spiritually malnourished. When the Bible says the word, word, does that make sense? When word is written in the Bible, it can actually, it's translated from two different Greek words. One is logos, and one is rhema. And so when we read word, we're reading it in our English language, but sometimes it means one thing, and sometimes it means a different, different thing. And so I'm going to give you the definition. Logos is the written word of God. That is scripture. That is what you read in this Bible. Everything from front to back is logos in this Bible. But then there's rhema. And rhema is when God takes this word, and he makes it personal to us. 
when we read man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God and we go oh my gosh I need to read the Bible I need to be spiritually nourished like that makes sense to me and I want that and it becomes personal that is Rama. To, to fully walk out our purpose, to fully live in the fullness that God has for us, we need both. We have to hear the logos of God by reading the Bible, but we also have to hear the rhema of God. We have to hear God speak to us in our spirit and through our situation so that we can know where he's calling us to. Because let me ask you this. Does the Bible tell you who to marry? No. Does the Bible tell you what job to take? or what your purpose is, if you're called to ministry or not, or if you're called to be an electrician or if you're not? No, we have to hear the rhema of God. We have to hear him speak to us for those things. So what I wanna do today is endeavor to help us better hear the voice of God, amen? Amen, all right, well, before we get started, because we're not started yet, let's pray. All right, dear Father God, we thank you so much that you speak to us, that you didn't stop 2,000 years ago, Lord God, but you still speak to us today. You speak to us in every situation and everywhere we are, Lord God. I pray that you would help us to hear what you have to say, that you would open our ears, Lord God. Help us to recognize your voice so that we can walk in the full purpose that you have for us, God, so that we can walk in the fullness that you have. Father, I pray that you would do whatever you want to do today, that our hearts would be open, that we would hear you speak. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So let's turn to John 10, starting in verse 22. And so I want to give you a little bit of what's going on in this story. Jesus just healed a blind man, and this guy was blind from birth, so he had never seen before. And we can, if we read through this passage starting in, I think it's 935 or so, um, we see that this has never happened throughout all of history, that someone had been healed from blindness from birth. And so can you imagine, if this is you, what would you be doing? You'd be telling everybody, right? You'd be shouting it from the rooftops, Jesus healed me from blindness. I am finally seeing. And so that's exactly what this guy did. Well, the religious leaders of that day, they heard about this. And first, it seems that they were like, that's not true. We're going to catch this guy lying. You know, and they drilled him. They asked him a bunch of questions over and over and over again. And then they called in his parents. And they're like, was this guy really blind? They're like, yeah, he was really blind. Now, they were a little afraid, so they were afraid to say that Jesus did it. So they're like, I don't know how he got healed exactly, but we can tell you that, yes, he was born blind. And the religious leaders of that day, they just did not want Jesus to get glory. Their hearts were hardened. And so they went to Jesus, and we're going to read what they said here, starting in verse 22. It says, now it was the Feast of Dedication in Jerusalem. And for those of you that don't know, which I actually learned it myself, this is Hanukkah. And so it was wintertime. And Jesus walked into the temple in Solomon's porch. And then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long can you keep us in doubt? If you're the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. But, um, I'm sorry, I lost my place. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. And they follow me. And I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my hand. If you notice, when Jesus was talking, he said, my sheep 
hear my voice. It's really awesome because it's not something that we do. If we're a child of God, it's something that we are. We are a hearer of the voice of God. It's innate in us. We were, we were born with it at our spiritual birth. If, we're, if we are a sheep, we hear the voice of God. See, when we ask Jesus into our heart and we accept him as Lord and Savior, our spirits become alive fully alive, and they also become fully restored, including our spiritual ears, right? John eight forty seven says, whoever is of God hears the words of God, and the reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. So if you're a sheep, you hear them, and that's what Jesus calls us. He calls us sheep, and sheep hear the voice of their shepherd, but while we hear God's voice, his language has to be learned. His language has to be learned. See, when we're born as a baby, we hear, right? Babies hear. They hear everybody around them. But they don't yet know what words mean. They don't yet distinguish the voice between an aunt and a sibling and a grandma and all of that because the language hasn't been learned. When we went to Israel for the first time, we were on a plane, and uh, we heard a lot of the same language. Now, I've heard other languages before here and there, but once we landed in that airport, the, the Hebrew language was everywhere. It was over the sound, it was in everybody speaking, and it was the first time I had been in an environment to where so much I did not understand. And so me being who I am, when we got on the bus with the tour guide and the bus driver, I was like, I wanna learn something. I wanna be able to understand something. Teach me how to count to 10, because that's how you learn every new language, right? You gotta learn how to count to 10. Dora the Explorer, you learned how to count, right? Yeah, so anyway, so I would ask them, how do you count to 10? And they'd tell me, and then I'd practice, and then he's like, nah. Um, and then they tell me again, and then I'd be like, is this, is this it? And they're like, eh, no. And so anyway, they got me good enough to where I could basically count to 10. And so then from there, they probably never should have done it. Then I would be listening, and then I would hear them say, Arba, and I would be, Arba, Arba, and they'd be like, yeah, yeah, Arba. And then they'd be talking some more, and I'd be, Chamesh, Chamesh, and they'd be like, yeah, Chamesh, Chamesh. But I began to pick up on the language. And this is how we walk as babies, as toddlers. You see them and they're like, cup, cup, cup. And you're like, no, it's a spoon. It's a spoon. And then they try again, they listen. And then they try again and they're like, spoon, spoon. And you're like, or probably poon, poon. And you're like, no, no, it's a fork. But eventually they start to pick up on the language. And this is how it is with us. So how do we learn the language of God. We learn it by reading the Bible. That's where we learn what God's voice sounds like. That's where we learn who he is, what his characteristics are, how he speaks to us. That his word comes always through love. That he always speaks truth. And we begin to learn the language of God. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. We need all of that to begin to learn the language of God. We need to be correct, corrected where he's like, no, that's not the cup, that's the spoon. And God's doing that as we read the Bible and we listen intently and then we try to act on what God has told us. Psalm 32, eight through nine says, I will instruct you and teach you 
in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Who wants to be a horse? Oh, Melissa wants to be a horse. Who wants to be a mule? How about that? No one wants to be a mule. I don't want to get to heaven. And God said, man, you made it, but you are a mule. I had to lead you around by bit and by bridle for you to actually follow what I'm telling you. I would much rather God lead me by his sweet, still, small voice, instructing me and calling me, and that I will follow, and I'll turn to the right or I'll turn to the left, and I will be corrected by his voice. When born-again Christians say that they don't hear God speak, what they're really saying is that I don't recognize yet his voice. Learning God's voice is a process, and it's okay to practice. It's okay to read the Bible and say, I think this is what you're saying, God, and so I'm going to step out, and I'm going to take a step of faith. And then we keep our ears open for God to say, you got it right? Or for God to say, nope, let me show you. you. You messed that one up. Let me show you again. Hearing God's, God's voice also takes maturity. Hebrews 5.12 says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. You have come to need milk and not solid food. Man, we don't want to be stuck in that place where we can only take in milk where we cannot take the solid food of God, but know that we all start with milk. We all start learning the language of God, learning on a foundation, but we are also called to mature to where we eventually get to a place where we can take in the solid food of God. Back to the baby example, when, when a baby is young, they take in word here, a word there, just like I did learning to count to 10 in Hebrew. But eventually, we learn greater vocabulary. And as we grow in spiritual maturity, we learn deeper and deeper truths of God that help us more and more in our walk. I heard it put this way, and I thought it was an absolutely great example of our spiritual growth. And we all start as babies, which we've kind of talked about, and then we kind of go to children. So the difference between babies and children in terms of language is, you know, they can actually talk more. They start to formulate sentences and all of that. And then there's this adolescent stage. And I have one that's there-ish. And in that adolescent stage, and this is not my daughter because she's perfect and because she's sitting in this room. Um, but, but in this adolescent stage, we see what is common, certainly not all of them, but what is common is they suddenly think they know it all, right? Now they would never tell you that they know it all because they're too smart for that. They know enough to know they don't know it all. But yet in every conversation you have, they already knew it, right? They've already been there, already knew it, and there's nothing that you can teach them. In our spiritual growth, there are spiritual adolescents. I won't say among us, but in our world, there are spiritual adolescents to where there are people that they, they're in a place to where they know a decent amount, but they feel like that decent amount is everything. And when they respond to you, they already knew that. And then there's adulthood. And I remember the day when I realized I don't hardly know anything. That's when you mature. So you can judge, are you an adolescent or are you an adult? Do you know everything or do you pretty much know very little? And you know where you're at in that, in that scheme there. Spiritual maturity, you realize that there is so much of God 
for you to learn. That God is way bigger than what you can wrap your head around, even in any area of God. That you will never know the depths of it. And that God can teach us something in our children. Do you know how much I've learned from being a parent? From being, watching my children grow? How many times they've convicted me of my bad attitude or what I've said and let slip that I never really put in check and then all of a sudden they repeat back to me, oh crap, and you're like, that doesn't sound so nice coming out of the voice of a two-year-old, I might need to change that a little bit. Not that that's the worst thing in the world, but I mean, if that's what they're picking up on. Um, But so much that I have learned through being a parent, through ones that are younger than me, through ones that I am leading, let's never close our hearts off to being able to learn from everyone around us and in every situation, because that is spiritual maturity. So how does God talk to us? Well, God can talk to us anyway, but oftentimes he talks to us the way we're wired. Have you ever had, or maybe you have had a picture and you felt like God has given you a picture? No one has had a picture? Anyone tell you that? Okay, I will be praying for pictures for all of you. I don't know. I'll pray that Matt gets pictures for all of you because I don't learn visually most of the time he does. And so I'll pray that he has pictures for all of you. But we see that in the Bible, God gave dreams and he gave visions to people, right? So God speaks to us in pictures. God also speaks to us with a word. Some people get very long words from God. Some people get a single word from God. But we know that God speaks. He spoke the scriptures, right? to the prophets and to the writers of the Bible. He spoke to um, people like Daniel, and he spoke to Elijah. He also spoke to Moses through a burning bush. So he's not limited to just words. He can use objects. My favorite is he spoke to Balaam through his donkey. Yeah? Does anybody know that? Would you like a donkey to speak to you? I think it'd be kind of cool if a donkey spoke to me. You'd know it was God for sure. God can also speak to us through our circumstances. He did this to Jonah. First, he spoke to Jonah, and Jonah's like, eh, I'm not really an auditory learner. So then he said, okay, well, I'll swallow you up with a big old fish. Let's see if you're more of a kinesthetic type of learner. And I think Jonah, he might have learned a little better that way because even though God didn't say anything in the belly of that fish, he knew exactly what God was trying to tell him. Gideon also heard um, God speak through his circumstances and with the whole fleece. And he was a bit slow on his learning. So he said, God, I'm going to put this fleece out in, I don't know the order, but I pray that the fleece would be dry and everything around it would be wet. And so God did it. And he was like, "Ah, I don't really know if I heard you right. Let's do this again. So let's let the fleece be wet and everything around it be dry. And so God did that. And he was like, okay, I got you now. Gotcha. But we can learn through our circumstances. What circumstance are you in that maybe God's trying to show you something? It could be an amazing circumstance. It could be a challenging circumstance. But God is trying to speak to us. God also will come to prepared atmospheres. So if we want to set up ourselves, position ourselves to be able to hear from God, sometimes we need to set time aside. We need to make an appointment with God. We're all busy, right? Oh my gosh, man, I am... I thought I knew you guys, but no. We live in a busy world, and we're all very busy. And sometimes we need to say, God, man, I am reserving this time for you. Because when we do that, God always shows up to our reserved time. 
We also want to make sure that we're taking away any walls that we've allowed to be put up between us and God. We have to repent of sin. Let's have hearts like David had where he said, God, search my heart. Search my thoughts. Know me. And if there's anything in between me and you that is keeping me from hearing your voice, point that out to me. And when God does, because we are all in that place, we are all in that place multiple times. I am in that place to where I have to repent of sin. It wasn't a one-time long-ago thing. I still have to repent of sin. I want my ears to be open, and then I don't allow any walls to come up between me and God so that I can hear everything that he has to say to me. Another thing is we have to be still. Yes, that resonated with a few of you. Yeah. We're in, a, we're in a loud, busy society. And sometimes it's a little scary to be still. Sometimes we're not quite sure what we're going to find in that stillness. But don't be afraid of that. See, in 1 Kings, verse 19, God told Elijah to come up on the mountain. And he said, I want to speak to you. And first there was a, a great wind and it cracked rocks and whatever. And then there was a loud earthquake and then there was a raging fire. And Elijah was like, nope, nope, God was not in any of those. And then there was a still, small voice. You guys know that, right? You've heard that story? And that's when Elijah came out and he said, that's God. That's God's still, small voice. When the loudness and the busyness and the chaos of our world is filling every frequency, we're going to miss God. We're going to miss what he's saying. I've learned a little bit about frequencies with all this microphone stuff and all that. I don't know very much, but I do know that if two things are sharing the same frequency, you do not get clear hearing out of those things. And we have to allow our frequencies to be shut off. I know this because we ride in a car with six little people. Yeah. Six little people that are always talking. They, they're not, well, occasionally, they're screaming and loud, but most of the time, they're just talking and laughing and being who they are. And I will be in a train of conversation. I will be talking to Matt. And in the middle of it, I'll just forget what I'm saying. And there's no way for me to regain back where I'm going unless I say, shh, turn off the radio. Stop talking. Okay, I got to think again. Because my frequencies are being taken up with all kinds of voices and noise and, and laughter. I have to sometimes shut that down. It's the same with God. We have to shut down those frequencies so that we can hear his voice. And then in that stillness, we need to listen. Listen to what he says. A lot of times we come in to our time with God and we do all the talking. And that's not a bad thing. God wants to hear the details. And I used to wonder, God, why do you want me to tell you the details of my life? You already know everything. You know every part of it. But then I think, like, when my kids tell me a story about something that happened, and I was there, like, I, I was there, and then they're telling me the story of what I did in the story, do I shut them up and say, I've already done, like, I saw it? No, not usually. But no, because I like to watch the expression on their face. I like to hear the inflection in their voice. I like to see what parts meant the most to them. And so God definitely wants to hear us talk to him. But more than us talking to him, we need to hear him talking to us. We need to hear what he has to say because he knows what we're going to say. We don't know what he's going to say, right? Right. And then when we hear him, 
we need to obey him. Hebrews 3.15 says, as it is today, or as it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. See, we can hear the voice of God and then we can harden our hearts. We can disobey. And when our hearts become hardened and we walk in that behavior, our ears begin to become dull. It's kind of like sticking those earplugs in your ears and then you maybe hear a muffled voice, but you're not hearing clearly what's being said. Disobedience leads to dull hearing. When God speaks, we need to trust his goodness. We need to trust that it's out of a heart of love for us and we need to obey and know that whatever he's calling us to do, whatever he's calling us to give up, wherever he's leading us, that we are gonna be better off on the other side. I wanna go back and read to you again in John 10, this time starting in verse one, because there are other voices that are gonna fight for our attention and gonna fight for our obedience. Starting in verse one, it says, very truly I tell you Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought them out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice and they will not follow a stranger. There are gonna be other voices that are gonna be fighting for your attention. And if we allow all that loudness on every frequency because the thief and the robber, they shout loudly. They're demanding our attention. They make big gestures because they want to force you into doing whatever it is that they're trying to call you to do. Anything that is going to keep you out of God's plan. God always leads us. He never pushes us. He's always gentle. He's never forceful. And so making sure that we reserve time, making sure we're intently listening, that we're tuning our ear into God's voice, is necessary because God's a gentleman. He wants you to offer your obedience. He wants you to offer your love, just like you want your kids to offer their love to you. If you found out that they only loved you because you forced them to, how would you feel? That'd be terrible. God's the same way. He was never forced us to obey or force us to love him. And so we have to listen intently for his still, small voice. If we haven't learned the language of God and we aren't able to discern his voice, we are susceptible to those thieves and to those robbers. We're susceptible to being lured away. And don't mistake that the shepherd isn't calling you back, saying, don't listen. Let me, let me, let me bring you back here. Come back into the protection of the sheepfold. Don't follow them. That's harmful for you. But if we're not able to discern the voice of God, if we haven't learned his language, we might miss that. And then we find ourselves in a trap. We find ourselves in some pit somewhere, in some situation that we walked into knowingly. But I have good news. The Bible also says that the shepherd leaves the 99 and goes after the one. And thank God for that because I was the one at one point. I was the one who was raised in church and who knew God, but I didn't tune my ear in. Honestly, I allowed disobedience to dull my hearing because I did hear God and then I disobeyed. But thank God that he never stopped pursuing me. He never stopped going after me. He loved me, and it was day after day, 
month after month, year after year, that he pursued me until he brought me back in to his sheepfold. And thank God for that, because he had to rescue me. I couldn't come back. I couldn't get out of that pit on my own. He had to reach down in that pit and pull me out. But I had to be open and reach my arms up and say, God, I need you. God, I'm ready to turn to you. Amen. So as the team comes back up, I want to invite you guys to stand with me. And as I was preparing this message and I was praying over this, I really felt like God wanted to extend an opportunity to anyone in here who maybe feels like they need God to draw them back to him, that they need God to maybe reach down in that pit and pull them back out. Or maybe they need God to, to open their eyes and open their hearing. Maybe their hearing has become dull. Or possibly, maybe you're thinking, man, I don't even know if I've ever been in the sheepfold. I don't, I don't know that I've ever accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I've ever been under the protection of the sheepfold and of his care. If that's you and you feel like you're in any of those places, today's your day. Because we're not promised tomorrow. We don't know what the future holds. We don't know what thieves or robbers are right outside that door, ready to lure us into the next trap.